Welcome to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get help and guidance through the chaos of parenting a child with anxiety or OCD. This show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the guidance of a qualified professional. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Today, I want to talk to you about something that I feel like we all deal with, but you may not be aware of it. Does your child's anxiety or OCD trigger your own childhood wounds? Now, some of you might be instantly saying, absolutely. And maybe most of you are saying, I don't think so. But listen to this episode and then reassess that at the end, because I think a lot of times wounds, first of all, might be too strong of a word, but our kids can trigger thoughts, emotions, memories, experiences to us that, that create another layer of how we react to them. We're going to talk all about it and why it's important to recognize that. But before we get started, I would like to thank NoCD for sponsoring this episode. NoCD offers affordable, effective, convenient therapy. They're available in the U.S. and outside of the U.S. And you can schedule your free 15-minute consultation to see if NoCD is the right fit for you and your child, just go to treatmyocd.com. That's treatmyocd.com. I'll leave a link in the show notes as well. Also, my self-care series is starting this week. This is coming out on a Tuesday. The series starts on this, this Thursday, if you're listening to this in real time. And it is free, and we will dive into... Actually, this topic is actually very related because we're going to be talking about our triggers. We're going to be talking about our perceptions, our mindset, our physical cues that we're stressed, um, our support system or lack thereof, how to find out if our support system is supporting and what to do about that if it's not. What do we do with our other kids? What do we, what do, we do with our other relationships? So definitely a lot more than just self-care. We're going to be talking about a ton of things and I would love for you to join me. And even if you've joined before, join again. We have lots of parents who join us every single time we do this series, which is twice a year. You can register at atparentingsurvivalseries.com. So let's jump into this topic. I want to start with saying that we don't parent in a box. We don't have a clear lens that we are looking through when we're looking at our child's anxiety or OCD or our kids in general, our parenting style and our parenting in general is being developed from birth. (laughs) It's kind of weird to think about, right? But it's true. All your experiences, those layers of experiences, interactions are who you are today. You're a combination, a culmination of all your lived experiences And that impacts how you interact with people in general. It impacts your relationships with others and it impacts your relationship with your child. And so there is not one person on this planet who's raising a child who has a clear lens. There's something smudged on your lens. (laughs) What is the smudge? We're going to talk about that today because it's something. We all have smudges and recognizing that and doing our own work, whether it's within ourselves or with somebody else, is incredibly powerful. 
Because when we understand why we're reacting in certain ways, why something really upsets us, we have, we have the ability to do something about it. Awareness is always the first step. So let's talk about this. Let's talk about how you know if you're being triggered. Let's start with that. That's the first step. The first couple of the, I just, and I just wrote a few things down. It could be anything really. Maybe you already know you're being triggered. And so it's not rocket science, but it is helpful to learn your own cues of, oop, I'm bringing more to the table than just this situation. The first one is you might have an exaggerated response. So all of a sudden you have an intense reaction to something that maybe doesn't deserve as big of a reaction as you're giving it. And so you can tell this by one, you recognizing, oh my gosh, I'm a little out of control. (laughs) Has that ever happened to you? That actually happens to me quite a lot where I'm like, I can't stop it. I'm so angry or I'm responding with a, a huge emotion and I am aware and I'm observing as I'm doing it that this is really quite a big reaction, Natasha, you know, and I want to rein it in, but I can't. So does that ever happen to you? Now, if you don't have the insight, it might come from other people, which we really do not appreciate when people might say something like, what's the big deal? Or just let it go or stop being so hard on her. Or it's not that scary. I mean, she's just having a hard time falling asleep. Whatever it is, some people outside of us can, and these are people you trust, not obnoxious people who want to pipe in and tell you that there's not really a problem when there is. We have those too. That's not what this episode is about, but it's more about people we trust. So, you know, if my husband was still alive, if he had said something to me, and actually he often did where he'd be like, it's not a big deal. We can get through this. Or, you know, he's doing great in other areas. Like he would... He was a very anchoring, reasonable person. And if he told me that I was overreacting or I was out of control, I believed it because he was a great gauge for me because he knew me really well. And he didn't often tell me that. He didn't like belittle me where I discounted what he said. If he, you know, a lot of times he validated what I said. Yeah, this is hard. Or yeah, that would make me angry too. Or I'm frustrated too. So when, when he would say, I think you're, you're getting really upset about this. There was validation in that. And so do you have somebody like that in your, in your life? So this can happen with different emotions. It could be, you're really angry or irritated by something. It could be like, you're really, really nervous or anxious about something. And another sign to know that you're triggered is that as you're interacting with your child around their anxiety or OCD, or, or even outside of that, I mean, it, this isn't really just about anxiety or OCD, but you have a flashback, either literally, or I'm just using that word loosely, a memory of something or someone. Has that ever happened to you where you're talking to someone and all of a sudden it's like another memory is like superimposed on that experience? Like, You're like, oh my gosh, I'm like, it brings me back to a conversation I had with my brother, or it brings me back to my dad and the way that he acted when, when, uh, when I was the kid, or this reminds me of how you're talking to me reminds me of how so-and-so talked to me. 
It doesn't matter. I can give you a zillion um, examples, but they're all unique for us. But it's it's this superimposed instantaneous memory of something or someone else as your child is doing something. It could be even your child smiles in a certain way or says a funny joke or has an issue around something or an anxiety issue or an OCD issue. And all of a sudden their mannerism, there's another person superimposed on them. Does that ever happen to you? Maybe not, uh, but it does happen to me. And I think it's not as uncommon as we might think that we are superimposing experiences on top of our kids. Another clear sign, and this is actually kind of like a Freudian slip that I think is telling, is when we call our kids by a different name. Do you ever do that? Or maybe this is all just me. Probably not though. Um, Sometimes, and it's funny, like I have different people in my family who I will call different things. And so a lot of times I'll call my kids my siblings' names or even their children's names, which is very interesting to me. And I think part of it is a subconscious thing that, oh, that that person reminds me, or actually my child reminds me of that person in some capacity. It doesn't mean all, you know, because sometimes I call my kids the dog's name. <laughs> part of that is my, my, um, my early dementia. But, but some of it's not. Some of it is, uh, yeah, I kind of see some traits in him that remind me of this relative. And um, those Freudian slips are not really inconsequential, right? Sometimes when I call my kids Ruby, my dog's name, that's actually out of love because I love my dog so much. Or have you ever called someone something when they're doing something funny or something annoying because it, it reminds you of that person? Pay attention to that because there's some information and data in that. The other thing we want to look at as we are talking about our childhood triggers or childhood wounds is our reactions. And so when we are reacting, are we responding to our past or as our past self versus in the moment? So let me give you some concrete examples. So sometimes my son who struggles with anxiety and OCD can remind me of my dad when I'm really anxious because my dad was mentally ill throughout my life and had bipolar with psychosis, which is not my son's diagnosis, but dealt with his, his irrationality, his mood swings, you know, sometimes his psychosis as he got older. And so there's that. Um, and sometimes he can remind me of my nephew who is a, an adult with OCD and was kind of similar to him as a child, um, similar in body shape, similar in, um, you know, hyperactivity, OCD. So there's, there's elements there. And I can tell when I'm responding out of fear, when I have a very big overreaction to something he's doing for me, and this is obviously going to be different for you, but for me, when he acts aggressively, that triggers some memories of my dad being aggressive with me during like manic episodes. Um, my dad was either in bed sleeping and very depressed, institutionalized, or was manic. And when he was manic, it wasn't typically happy manic. It was aggressive manic. A lot of times when he was in a manic state, if I was just playing or arguing with my little sister, he would, he would come at me physically. 
And even though those were sporadic, those were really scary moments because I knew that he was not in control versus maybe my mom hitting me. <laughs> my Both my parents hit me, but she was more borderline and I knew she had more control. So she didn't really, well, she was still scary, but not as scary as my dad, who I knew was like disconnected from reality when he was becoming aggressive. That is nothing like my son. <laughs> my son is nothing like that. His aggression is mild, if anything. And I mean, currently in this uh, stage where we're at, he's not really aggressive at all. I mean, I, you know, because I have a huge reaction when he's even mildly aggressive. Um, if he throws something at me, my fear gets triggered. I see a growing problem. I don't see a boy. I see a grown man or a full grown teenager who's going to come at me. And so it triggers my fear of, I don't want him to be like my dad. I am now alone. You know, my husband's passed away. What's this going to look like when he's 15? I won't be able to manage him. And I'm not in that moment then looking at him. I'm looking at all those other situations and experience superimposed on him. So that's an example. It might be a hundred percent different for you, but I'm just giving you an example so you can kind of see in a concrete way the things that I'm talking about. And so what things do you kind of superimpose? And are you able to catch it in the moment when you're when you're reacting to your child and you're thinking, oh my gosh, this reminds me of and it might even be subconscious. Like there's not even like this awareness. There's just this reaction. We want to pay attention to that. Are we looking at fear-based past outcomes and not current outcomes, right? So the objective reality is my son threw you know, a pillow at me because he's frustrated. The perceived reality is my son is having a psychotic break and is attacking me. That's not the reality, right? That's the perceived reality. Obviously, I'm, I'm, I know that that's not happening. But my brain is perceiving that threat. Let's talk about some common childhood wounds that are easily triggered because there are so many. And the one I'm using as an example may not resonate with you because it's rather specific, but there are so many. Let's go through a couple of them. And really, this could be anything. Um, when I see my daughter, you know, chugging ranch sauce <laughs> at a table um, full of her friends and they're cheering her on. I get nervous and I see a girl at sorority chugging beer and, um, you know, addiction runs in my family. Addiction runs in my husband's family. And, um, my older sister had a bumpy childhood. And, and when I look at her doing that and loving the attention or whatever, I'm superimposing that fear of addiction on her right? Or my, when my son is like, you know, eating a bunch of candy and can't stop. I'm like, oh my gosh, he's going to be addicted to drugs. <laughs> That's a leap, right? But it's, we can't, these happen subconsciously. And so it's not like we are wanting to think about these things or, or not wanting to think they, they happen spontaneously in our brain. So here are just a few that I thought about around common childhood wounds or struggles, how we were treated, right? And so when your child is talking to you, 
if it's in a way that you don't like, it could trigger it could trigger memories of how you were treated. And so if you were in a domestic violence situation and your child is, you know, screaming at you or being disrespectful, it can treat it can trigger those old wounds. Let's say you had a sibling who was mentally ill and you were discounted and you were bullied by, you know, and I'm using bully in a very loose term, but like you were targeted by your mentally ill sibling. Well, now you have a child who's doing something similar. They're targeting you. Their anxiety or OCD is um, talking back to you. That could be overwhelming because now you've got another situation. For me, I've heard myself say to my son in particular, I'm, um, oh, I know another trigger is if my son says, I don't want to be here anymore, or I don't, I just wish I could never wake up or I want to die. And that has happened. He has said that I want to die. Um, no, no active suicidal ideation, but just this desire of, I just don't want to be here. I want to die. All of us would get upset if our kids said that a hundred percent, but I grew up in a childhood where my dad was attempting suicide all the time. Well, not all the time, but you know, one, one too many, there were probably at least five occurrences that happened throughout my life with him where, uh, it was very scary and so I've said to my son, um, I'm not going to go through that again. And, and I'm, I'm talking to him through my pain, right? I'm not in the moment. Instead of just addressing him and his struggle of like, I know life is hard for you and just having just a good response to it, it triggers a fear. And there are times in the past where I have said things um, out of my fear, like I'm not, I, you know, I'm not going through that again. I already been through that. We don't say that here. You can't say that. If you say that people are going to come and assess you and they might have to take you to, you know, treatment center. You only say that if you really mean it. Like, I mean, I can just go really strong on that. And that energy that's showing up in that moment is a scared kid who went through a lot of suicide attempts with their dad. So, um, the more we become aware of these things, the less we do them because we deal with those old wounds. And as I become more intentional with my parenting, automatic, more aware of what I'm saying, how I'm saying it, what I'm doing, how I'm showing up. And honestly, it's so weird. And this is a horrible thing to say, but it's true. The fact that I'm doing it alone now and my husband's not here. Um, I was very consumed with my relationship with my husband. Um, always consumed. My anxiety theme was am I loved enough? And so I was very focused on him. Do you love me? Do you love me today? You know, and, and now that I'm just parenting alone and I have a lot more space in my day because my practice is closed. Um, I permanently closed my private practice to focus on my global resources online. I am much more aware of my parenting, what I'm saying, why I'm doing it. And so I don't tend to say those things nearly as much, if at all. I'm very aware of when I'm being triggered. And that's really what I'm trying to get. I'm trying to get you to that spot today is building up your awareness because when you become more aware of this is triggering, you know, this is reminding me of my older sister, or this is reminding me of, um, this friend that I had, that's going to help. So how we were treated can be a big trigger. Um, how your own anxiety or OCD was treated can be another trigger. Maybe your parents were too strict. And so when your husband comes in and is strict with your child's anxiety or OCD or doesn't get it, not only are you feeling bad for your child, but now you're feeling bad for your younger self. That happened to me. 
and I'm not going to let that happen to her. And so I'm going to swoop in and rescue her, or I'm going to come and like be really angry with him. And I'm not only angry with him, but I'm angry with my parents. Right. And so it becomes magnified. Maybe your parents coddled you. I see this less, less as a trigger, but it's something to mention. And you see your partner coddling your child with anxiety or OCD. And you think, you know what? My mom enabled my brother through all this. And now this is happening to my child. And I don't want that to happen again. Um, Maybe you have a relative who struggles with mental illness. Mental illnesses are highly genetic. There is a, you know, uh, predisposition to, to have mental, mental health issues. And so it wouldn't be shocking if you had other, other relatives that have had mental health issues. And maybe your child reminds you of those and, and that showing up, maybe you've had, and I already mentioned this, but I'll mention it again, cause it's on my list, um, domestic, domestic violence. So maybe between your parents or maybe between um, your siblings, but that showing up. Maybe your own separation anxiety. So maybe you struggled with separation anxiety as a child and now your child is, and you remember how that feels. And so it's magnifying your wanting to protect them because you know how that feels and you're seeing yourself in your child. So that's a lot. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. It can really be anything. It could be mannerisms of um, an ex-partner that you don't like anymore, or that really drives you crazy. And you see um, the same selfishness or the same narcissism, or you see um, the same laziness, or we put things on our kids without knowing it. We put them in boxes, whether we want to admit it or not. And we see through that lens and we put other people on them. We don't want to do that. Nobody intentionally wants to do that, but some subconsciously that does happen. And being honest with yourself and owning that and saying, my child is their own unique person. And I also need to deal with some of this remnants of what's happening underneath. And after the break, we're going to talk about some ways to do that. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. It's time we put help directly in our kids' hands. Introducing Crushing OCD Course for Kids and Teens. It was way more helpful than all the other therapy we've ever done because we didn't really know what to do. So we weren't really doing it before. So the course helped to figure out what the exposures are and how to do them. We're not in therapy and find it really hard um, to find an ERP trained therapist here. Um, So we're currently with like the public health service, but again, they don't seem to be trained in ERP. It's filled that gap that we don't have that was desperately needed. This was really well timed for us to use between therapists and to help us like start get off to a good start with this new practice it was easy to use Um, i was able to do it from my phone or also on the computer there's different ages you know so there were younger kids there were teenagers and um so that was really nice too to have a variety of ages where it wasn't just geared towards younger kids or older kids it was a nice variety it's helpful for our kids to hear it from this like third party as opposed to just us saying it. I really like the offense and defense method. I love working on poking at OCD while it's sleeping. It makes it a little bit easier to do and it's kind of fun. <laughs> I'm planning on using it to work on my uh, fear of like holding or touching batteries and stuff like that. So it was really helpful and I think a lot of other kids would like it. I thought that I was like the only one who had worrying about the weather and stuff. And then there was somebody else on there who worried about the same thing, which was really helpful. 
seems less scary to work on stuff now that I've watched this class and I'm more interested to work on it. I like trying to do more exposures still and going to, before I wasn't, I just didn't want to do them. I've worked on some of my bigger compulsions and been successful. I realized it was helpful to do like the exposures before it was like really, really hard. It's still hard, but it's helpful to know that I need to do them. Before there would be a lot of battles about it. So it is definitely less loggerheads. Really, really good course and super helpful. Definitely would recommend this. It's really easy to follow. It's in nice bite-sized videos. I really like the worksheets that go along with it, and I think it's really helpful. To learn more about this course and register your child or teen, go to atparentingsurvivalschool.com. Welcome back. The first step is really processing your own past struggles. If you're seeing something pop up over and over again, is it unresolved? Do you need to process this, whether you're processing it with yourself or whether you're processing it through therapy, that can be really helpful. Sometimes, and I actually didn't mention this in the front end of the show, but sometimes we're triggered by our our children's issues because they're similar to ours. And so my child's social anxiety really triggers my social anxiety because instead of seeing them, I often see them and me and how I wasn't rescued or how I had to deal with that or how no one validated my experience. And so I go over the top wanting to process with them, wanting to interject, wanting to stop the bullying because nobody did that for me. So processing those things that we feel are unresolved can be very helpful. I, you know, and I'm just going to use myself as an example. I have processed my dad's stuff. I have that. I feel like that is not unresolved. I feel like that's just there. That's just like, it's just part of my story. But my social anxiety was not resolved and I was being doubly triggered by my kid's social anxiety because of my own wounds that were still very raw. And I did go into therapy for a brief period of time. I actually did some EMDR for my social anxiety that actually really helped. EMDR is actually a really helpful therapy for past traumas and things that are unresolved. And so I found that to be really helpful. I actually, ironically writing helped. Well, not ironically, but I wrote, this is actually before my husband passed away. I wrote a memoir on social anxiety and that's actually coming out in September. Very excited. And so stay tuned for that. I, the publisher just sent me the cover and I love it more, more on that in the future. But ironically in that, well, it's not really ironic, but in that, in my memoir, I go back and I have therapy sessions with my younger self who's going through social anxiety. And that was, that was actually like real therapy for me because I was treating my younger self. You don't have to do that. That might be weird, (laughs) but pull up a picture of your younger self. What would you tell your younger self? You know, that's healing. Maybe journal it and say, you know, dear Jenny, dear Cindy, I don't know, dear John, whatever your name is, right? You're 13 right now. And I know that it's hard. And I know that you are struggling because of, and I just wanted to let you know, start a journal and write to yourself at different ages. That is very healing. You don't always need structured therapy to heal your old wounds, but taking some action can be helpful. And that is a really great therapeutic approach to do. 
but there may not be anything to touch. Like with my dad, I don't really need to heal that. That's kind of, I'm good. I just don't want my kids to turn into him. <laughs> Who would? You know, you wouldn't if you knew my what we went through. But the next step, and the step that's actually helpful for me regarding that aspect, is separating my child from those experiences. Our kids are not those relatives, or they're not that friend. They're not your parent. They're not you. And so a lot of times just doing some mindfulness and bringing myself back to the present has been really helpful. When I see, rather not see, but when I notice that my son says something and all of a sudden this fear is bubbling up inside of me, I will say things to myself, almost kind of like a mantra. I would say, he is not my dad. He's his own person. Um, Or she is not her dad. She is her own person. Because sometimes my oldest daughter, you know, will have a mannerism or something that reminds me of my ex-husband. Um, she has a different dad than my other two. And I remind, I have a mantra, like she is her own person. You know, she is not him. My son is not my dad. And these are glimpses. It's not like we always think our kids are different people. In that moment, we can get swept up. And so I also have some reframing that I do. I'm very big in reframing those cognitive distortions. And so a lot of times I'll say, like if, if I'll see my son doing something that reminds me of my dad, I'll be like, but my dad didn't get the kind of help that my son is getting. And my dad didn't get the kind of parenting that my son is getting. And my son is getting good therapy, good treatment, different parenting style. He's becoming educated. He's learning. He's building skills. None of that happened with my dad. And so that reduces my anxiety and it separates one scenario from the other. Or if your child is talking to you disrespectfully, my child is not my brother or my child is not my mother. And just because they're talking to me that way doesn't mean that, you know, all the things that you put on the other parent, you know, or the sibling, right? That they hated you or whatever it is, right? Just someone arguing back. For me, it's being ignored. That's another trigger. I really can't stand being ignored because I could hypothesize that it's because as a kid, I was the middle child and there were a lot of fires going on that were not about me. And I was meant to just be quiet and not rock the boat. And so I felt, and there was a lot of emotional and some, some physical neglect in my childhood, not being when people ignore me and my social anxiety too. So I was very ignored in school because I was picked on and nerdy. And so I felt invisible. So when my kids ignore me, because it's developmentally appropriate that they do, right? They don't listen to their parent. They're ignoring you. I can go ballistic and I have to remind myself that they don't represent all the mean kids in schools. They don't represent my parents ignoring my needs. They don't represent me not having a voice. They're just kids and they're doing the developmentally appropriate thing of ignoring me. And I do the appropriate thing as a parent and educate them on the need to respond to me. It's rude to ignore someone, but not with all the emotion attached to it. And so it becomes an art to learn how to separate your emotions that are raw, that are becoming, that are coming from something else versus what's happening right in front of you. Um, The awareness is really key. As we talked about in the, the first half of this episode, the awareness is really the biggest tool because once you're aware of it, you'll spot it quicker. So becoming aware of it. But then I will also share with my kids why I have an overreaction. And I'm very open with my kids in a kid appropriate way. 
of being transparent. And so I have said to my son before, when maybe, you know, I had a big reaction and I'll circle back and I'll say, you know, when you say you don't want to wake up in the morning or that you never want to wake up again, it scares me because, you know, I grew up with a dad who, who was suicidal and who often had suicide attempts. We'll have, you know, my son's 14. We'll have very frank conversations as now that he's older about our history and my history, my childhood. And I'll say, so when you say that, even though you are telling me that you don't mean it, it's just like an expression or it's just how you feel in that moment. I just want you to understand why sometimes that overwhelms me or scares me because that's something that I grew up with. And it's not okay for me to be, you know, having a huge reaction or overreacting to that. And I'm going to work on that, but I also want to know, I want you to know where it's coming from. Or let me just use another example. I've had to learn how to not rescue them when they don't want to be rescued or not put my own understanding of why they're going through something because I went through it. So I must fully understand. Well, I don't understand because their experience is still different than mine. And a lot of times I'll assume that a situation's hard for them for a certain reason, because that's what it's, what would be hard for me. And it's not hard for them because of that. It's hard for them for a different reason. And so I've been very open about my own social anxiety, my own experiences with kids growing up and feeling like an other and what that was like so they can understand where it comes from. I have said to my kids when they ignore me and I have like a really big reaction, sometimes I've lost my cool and I've gone ballistic, like don't ignore me. Um, And then I've had to circle back and I'll circle back and I go, I'm sorry, that was actually a really inappropriate outburst. That was a big reaction for a small behavior. And I'm working on that being ignored as a trigger for me. And I'm not using it as an excuse and I'm not looking for them to um, give me a pass or say, mom, that's okay. There's no expectation in this discussion. It's only to give them insight into me as a human being, right? I will say, you know, sometimes when you're, when you don't respond to me, you know, I have had a whole history of just being ignored and it really gets me angry and it triggers me and I'm going to work on that. And I'm not looking for them to be like, that's okay, mom. It's like, I just want them to understand where that came from. And actually modeling that kind of behavior of like sharing your insights with your child or being vulnerable or being transparent in a kid appropriate way. Sometimes people do this over the top in a, like a confidant sort of way. And then the black, the, the boundaries get blurred and it's not, it's not helpful and it's not age appropriate. We, we do these things with the intention of educating. We do them knowing that we're talking to our kids, um, not our best friend, and we do it with a purpose. I'm teaching you this so that you understand why I had a big reaction and to know that even me as your mom is working on things. And I think that can be really helpful. I wouldn't say to my kids, you remind me of your dad um, or my dad, or you remind, I'm, you remind me of this person. I don't think that's, that's a helpful therapeutic thing to say, but just say, I'm having this big reaction because it's reminding me of this. Or when you hit your brother, I'm sorry that I swooped in and really like, you know, had a big re- reaction, but I know my brother picked on me. And so sometimes it like, it makes me want to go and rescue her because I remember my mom didn't do anything, but I realize you're not my brother. And next time I'm sorry, I won't grab you and, and have that and yell at you like that. Uh, I've got to work on that. Be human, right? Being human is really helpful and, and owning some of this stuff and being aware of it is helpful. And maybe if your lens is too smudgy in a moment, 
you need to take a step back and you need to go reset. You need to go for a walk or you need to go in your room. You need to take a moment to get back into this moment, this present moment and not the past moment. And certainly if you're having legitimate flashbacks, you definitely want to get some treatment for that. Or if you're having just a flood of memories and they're traumatic, EMDR therapy is very helpful. So we're all human. We all come with our own baggage. Nobody is safe from that. (laughs) And our kids will have their own baggage. We can't prevent that from happening. That's just part of the human experience. And that's okay. The, The thing is understanding yourself, understanding where you're coming from and, and showing up the best way that we can every day. And it's a daily practice and um, having some self-compassion and forgiveness and grace for yourself because we all mess up. We all dust ourselves off and we all get back into the parenting. No one, no one does it perfectly, right? Not that I know of. I hope that you found this episode helpful. If you want more in-depth support on diving into this, if you're like, this is interesting, I would love to know more about this and more about my mindset in in general and the things that are coming up for me as I parent my child, the more we work on ourselves, the better we parent. It's true. And the more we deal with our issues, the better we're able to deal with our kids' issues. It's crazy. The more I've worked on my social anxiety, the better I've been for my kids because I'm in a better place. And when I'm in a better place, I'm more, there's more space to be an anchor for them. And it's easier to anchor myself because I'm not bobbing around as much. So join me in my free series, Self-Care for Parents Raising Anxious uh, Kids and Kids with OCD at atparentingsurvivalseries.com. They're on-demand videos that are up and live during the series. There's a series website. You can watch them at any time as when the series is going on. I also have a series Facebook group that you can join that I create just for the series. And uh, you do not have to be on Facebook in order to enjoy the series and watch the videos. That's just a bonus. So I hope that you're enjoying my podcast. And if you are, don't forget to rate it, hit a star somewhere that you're listening to it. And if you have a few extra moments to leave uh, a review or comment about how it's helping you, I do greatly appreciate that. I'm recording this way ahead. So I'm recording this December 11th. I think, I think like a month ahead and I have not had a review since October 29th. <laughs> so that's been a long time. So if you've been listening to this podcast for a while and maybe for years and you've never left a review, you know, if you took two seconds just to give back, you know, share with other parents how this podcast helps you, that I greatly appreciate that because that is what keeps the momentum going with this episode, this podcast. I don't know why I keep saying episode because Uh, parents do read those and we have a finite amount of time to spend listening to things. And when parents see that this is really, really helpful for everybody, they're more apt to listen to it. And then they're going to get the help that they need as well. If you leave a review, maybe I'll be reading yours next time. I normally read one at the end of the episode, but I haven't had any in a while. So I got nothing to read. I hope that you find the sparkle in everything you do. And I'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. To get additional support raising a child with anxiety or OCD, visit Natasha's online school of on-demand classes at atparentingsurvivalschool.com.